If you guys are into shooting the copper bullets, man, I got a great deal for you. We have partnered with Barnes Bullets. They are world famous, known for that Vortex rifle, the deadliest, most accurate hunting loads on the planet. I like this company, guys, because I have a personal connection to these guys. On uh, Down in central Utah, uh, my dad's got this ranch, and uh, on the way to the ranch, you drive past this uh, Barnes Bullets factory, and it's, it's a really cool building just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So I know them well. These all-copper bullets provide destructive power, double diameter expansion, maximum weight retention, and devastating energy transfer, all with excellent accuracy. It's a great choice for Western big game, game hunters and shooters everywhere. So check them out at BarnesBullets.com and let me know what you guys think. I appreciate it. You've heard my Silencer Central ads, I'm sure. And I don't know if you have reached out and contacted them yet. If you're interested in a silencer, though, man, this is the way to go. Silencer Central from the start to finish, because it's quite the process. If you've never gotten a suppressor for one of your rifles, you've got to go through and do the ATF paperwork and the background checks and all that kind of stuff. But the cool part is, is Silencer Central takes care of it all. It's a several-month process. And so what's cool about it is if you don't want to drop all that money right at the top, uh, end of this whole process, you can just get a hold of them and you can do like a payment plan while they're taking care of all the paperwork on the back end. I have the Banish 30 uh, and this thing is awesome. I've never used one of these before, so I'm like learning as as I go along. But what I, what I was getting at is from start to finish, Silencer Central has been some of the most amazing people I've ever worked with through the process. They treated me like I was family and I really appreciated it. You guys should check them out and you can call them at 866-891-4494 or check it out at silencercentral.com it will be worth your time i promise there exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away and we won't stand for it Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tines studio, the uh, the frozen Broken Tines studio, I might add, uh, right here in Heron, Montana, and uh, brought to you by Eastman's Hunting Journals. Guys, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, I apologize about the uh, little break I took there last week. I couldn't, I have an episode to put out, but I haven't even put it out yet because I was, I was bedridden with... Uh, my wife says it's COVID. She tested positive, uh, and I have been just uh, on my ass all week. <laughs> and so, uh, the thought of even opening the computer to load a load another episode and all that stuff—it was just like out of the question, guys. So, uh, again, really sorry about that. Uh, you probably still hear it in my voice. I'm still kind of sick, but uh, and then to top it off, we have like this insane uh, cold front that came through, and that's been fun. 
I think the wind chill was like negative 40 something at one point or whatever, but uh, mostly yesterday was negative 22 all day. Had some pipes freeze up. It was, it's been a good time here on the homestead. <laughs> so um, this week, uh, what I wanted to do is I, the, the episode I told you guys that I had ready for last week, it is with Dirk Durham. And uh, if you guys are following along on Instagram, you saw me post a video asking about some of the things that kind of chap your ass out there in the field with other hunters and what uh, more of an etiquette conversation, not a hunting ethic conversation and etiquette conversation. And Dirk and I have a really good conversation about that. We we talk about some of the comments and questions in that post. So uh, pay attention because that's going to be coming out next week. But due to timing, I want this week's episode to be with my friend Gabe Hinkle, uh, who is out of uh, Western Washington and um, has uh, has family ties here in Sanders County, Montana, uh, where I'm at. And we've been friends on social media for a long time. And uh, he's just a he's just a cool dude. He drives trains. He's a great photographer. He's got cool property up in Alaska. And hopefully someday he'll uh, end up being my my neighbor here in in Western Montana, and we'll uh, be able to hang out a little bit more. So, Gabe, welcome to the show, brother. I appreciate you joining me. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, hopefully uh, three or four short years I'll be back. Yeah, so uh, this this month, yeah, that's for sure. So you grew up in Montana, huh? Yeah, well, you... about, uh, we moved from Washington when I was about twelve years old. Uh, we actually moved to civilization when we came to Montana. Uh, we lived way up in the foothills of the Cascades, uh, off grid. I mean, we had solar panel after a while, but you know, kerosene lamps and outhouse and living in a little log cabin that my parents built by hand. So, uh, no I way backwoods, like <laughs> legit off grid, huh? Like you guys, yeah. you guys use kerosene for for lighting the cabin. Yep, and I. Pretty much a hillbilly kid. <laughs> wow, man, that is that's pretty cool. I've, uh, you know, I've only met a few people that have actually legit been off grid, and I I see a lot of people these days. They kind of do this, um, I don't know, glorification of living off grid. Uh, you know, like it's this this next level living kind of thing. And and we've done a little bit of it. Me me and my family here, not not very long ago actually. Uh, and I I didn't like being totally off grid, man. What was that like? Well, back then, I mean, you didn't have the technology. Some of the technology that you can be off-grid with now makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, we during the winter, we had to ski or snowmobile out after my dad couldn't plow the road anymore. You know, uh, so we we stayed up there for quite a long time. I After about first grade, I homeschooled. So, yeah, just living on the farm, we had a big farm, all kind of every farm animal you could imagine, you know. So winter times was taking care of all that stuff. Summertime, you know, doing hay and we had a big garden and putting up food all that type of thing so so yeah, that's like was, the really good life yeah man and i i bet you i bet you it gives you a little deeper appreciation for certain things i know i know the, the we only did it for like six months we were we were uh, you know legitimately off-grid where we didn't have power or anything like that on the property and it, it gave me a deeper appreciation uh for some of the I don't know, modern conveniences um, that we have now, like our place now is, it's just nice having electricity. <laughs> oh yeah. My, my mom had a little two foot by two foot propane refrigerator for 17 years. So she was wow. pretty happy when she got to electricity. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. That gets old fast filling up those propane tanks too. So yep. give everybody kind of like a, a bird's eye view of who, who you are. What, what do you do for a living? And, and, 
you know, we'll kind of go from there. Well, I mean, that how I grew up pretty much, you know, kind of shaped who I am and like my passions for the outdoors and my my family's kind of always been a little bit politically involved. And as we get into this podcast, we'll be talking more about that type of thing. Uh, but that gives me a a thing that I'm really passionate about to protect our hunting future and to protect rural life, that type of thing. Um, like I said, I moved to Montana after about 12 years old. I spent every waking moment in the woods when I wasn't working or doing schoolwork. Uh, loving those Western Montana whitetails, chasing them around. Uh, hey, 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 was... easy, Gabe. There's no there's no big whitetails in Western Montana. Well, the, the whitetail hunt in Western Montana is not like it used to be. Let me tell you, <laughs> there were some big bucks back in the day. They're they're a yeah. lot harder to find anymore. Oh yeah, for sure. I'll bet. Yeah, once the Dude. once the wolves came in and everything, but yeah. So uh, I left uh, Spokane. Went uh, moved to Spokane when I was about twenty one years old to go to college, and then ended up. I did that for a few years, and then hired on with the uh, with the major railroads and been doing that for 18 years now that's uh so, an interesting that keeps me more than busy yeah i'll bet man i that's an interesting deal so you you're one of the guys that sits in the in the engine and you're you're like piloting yeah, this I, thing. Is I, that... I operate the train and when i was in spokane i would take trains to whitefish which is my my favorite route and then to wenatchee washington and pasco and now I take trains from Auburn to Pasco and then Pasco to Portland, Vancouver area, and then another leg back up to Auburn. Interesting. It's, called the, it's called the triangle, the iron triangle, they call it. What's what's the difference cruising along in a train versus like taking a road trip on on, you know, just in your pickup truck? It's it's a totally different perspective. It's 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 crazy because I some of the places that I take the train in Montana, you know, I would go and hunt up there and camp out whatever and just driving you don't seem to see like near as much you just get a totally different perspective from a train uh a lot of times it's at night you get to see a lot of critters you know that type of thing yeah it's, bet. it's, it's awesome they get used to it that, well now i see a lot of things i don't want to see where i work in now but <laughs> yeah 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 i'll bet you do man <laughs> I'll bet you do. That's I've never I've never actually talked to a train engineer. You know when I uh, I've always lived right next to like a railroad hub in some way. Uh -huh. Even when I was a kid, we had this train that would come through town and I had this buddy his name was Mike and he swore up and down that if we put pennies and nickels on the railroad track, it would derail the train and block the only road to school so we wouldn't have to go for like two weeks he said it would take two weeks to clean it up so we went and put a bunch <laughs> of pennies and nickels on the train track one day and waited there for a train and and it didn't even phase the train it was like now oh, no. <laughs> i'm like dude I've, your plan I've, I've failed hit, i've hit cottonwood trees that are three foot in diameter and just blown oh. right through them <laughs> yeah have you ever hit have you ever hit like a deer or a, uh is Lots. some kind of big game Unfortunately, lots of deer and elk. I have a really? kind of a routine I do now. I, I flash the lights and alternate the whistle at night, and that helps a lot. But there's, yeah, it's unfortunately you you hit some critters. I don't, I don't like that either. Yeah, I'm always blown away that that happens. I understand cars collisions because you know they can kind of sneak up on you. But the these trains are just like so loud. And I've like our last property we lived on, 
there in Clark Fork, man, I had that railway, that rail line coming through on the backside of the uh, property. And like, even from where that trail or that track was to where like our fifth wheel was parked, where we lived was like three quarters of a mile and the ground would just rumble. And so it just like is odd to me that deer and elk and, and these things would just run across the tracks, knowing that that tra- like, there's no mistaking unless it's a deaf and blind ungulate. <laughs> it just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange phenomenon because that's when you're off to the side of the track. If you're right in front of the train, it's hard to hear actually it's in very, front of it. It's very strange how that works. And I've, I've been like right next to the main line and I've had Amtrak come up at like 80 miles an hour. And the only thing and reason why I knew that it was coming is because the rail started zinging. Oh, weird, man. I couldn't, I couldn't hear the train and it was like almost to me. Huh? So, that's I mean, that's crazy. why there's, that's why there's a lot of problems with people on the tracks because for some reason it's a lot harder to hear directly in front of them. I saw a bunch of antelope get killed in southern Idaho one time. They were laid on the tracks because the the tracks, you know, they kind of absorbed the heat or whatever, and they were laying there kind of warming up. It was winter, and, and like, the train came, and, and they didn't even move, man. It, he, he hit, like, 12 of them. <laughs> it yeah, was crazy. It's, it's pretty bad, like, really bad winters. It's, you know, it's the only place that it can walk easily. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the critters just walk on the tracks instead of going out, you know, on four or five feet of snow. And yeah, that's true. What about what about human contact? Have you ever hit like a car or something like? Or what have you seen crazy people doing? Because we just know I've had lots and lots of close calls. Yeah, but I'm hoping to finish out my career and not have to go through that. God, that is just people do some daring ass shit, man. They'll be like all the flashers and the arms coming down, and they're still trying to get around and in front of that train, and it's nuts. Or people walking down the track with headphones on, walking away from the train. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's does crazy. That, does do. that happen a lot? I oh, guess it would in like that, the, those big urban areas, huh? Oh, yeah. Over here in Seattle area, you know, they have the homeless and whatever. There's quite a bit of that that goes on. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's just interesting. I've never, I've never talked to a, an actual engineer before. So uh, I've always wanted well, that's that because, because we're so busy working. We don't have time to talk to anybody, hardly. <laughs> right. I know you guys are just kind of antisocial that way. I, you know what we should have done now that would be distracting. You might hit one of those headphone folks, uh, but yeah, record while we're, while you're cooking down the, the rail line there. <laughs> I, I wish they, they don't allow that. We can't do anything, but run the train. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'll bet they're pretty strict about it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about hunting, your hunting background, your outdoorsman background, and, um, you know, walk us through what it means to you to be a hunter. And I've been hunting for 33 years. I mean, that's pretty much when hunting season ends, the next year starts. I'm planning that right, right off the bat. Uh, February is a little tough because I'm wishing I was out in the woods. Uh, oh, man, I know. I try, I bank all my vacations, try, try to spend as much time in the woods as possible. Uh, usually over now that I got some vacation time, 30 to 40 days, I try to spend in the woods every fall. Um, like this year, I went on a trip to Alaska to caribou hunting and then came back and went to Wyoming and Montana did a little hunting there. Uh, did some antelope hunting, which I'm not able to do as much as I used to because it's harder to get tags. Yeah. I used to be able to drop tags every year and do that. Uh, Montana now is every other year where I used to build a draw every year. Um, yeah, it's my favorite to go back home and hunt. Doesn't matter where in the state, 
I travel all over in the state and hunt. So, yeah, yeah, I like I, to, I like to stay home as much as you know, as much as possible. Then I could just, you know spend some time with my folks and. But every year, uh, I try to get out as much as possible. Uh, that's it's my life. I mean, I grew up hunting. My dad was taking me out when I was four or five years old. I had a twenty-two on my hands running around the woods when I was six by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's just it's been that's my life. So. And well, I, I, I knew we'd get along. Try to protect it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a big reason why this show even, you know, materialized um, was because of some of the threats I see for the future of hunting. And, and there's been a lot of uh, like, especially you guys in Washington, man, that we've been dealing with that commission issue over there uh, a lot lately on this show. And, and uh, w- there's, there's a new group over there called the Washington coalition. And, and, you know, the, these are folks, they're just like regular dudes like us that, that had concerns and all of a sudden were made aware of some of the, some of the shenanigans coming out of uh, like, like those uh, anti-hunting commissioners that, that make up part of the, uh, the, the commission of, of the state of Washington there. Um, and, and they wanted to, you know, put some action to the words because these concerns, it's, it's hard for, like you know how you've got all these these names out there these voices you've got these like hunting celebrities or whatever and and they make up a very small portion of the hunting community the majority of us are just average dudes that don't have a voice we don't have a platform obviously the the western huntsman does now but i'm still not like some hunting celebrity you know i'm just some dude that talks a lot of hunting and a lot of shit <laughs> and so um yeah you know it, it's it's hard for people to have an outlet to express their frustrations and and see and i like to get uh i like to get the perspectives of people like that on this show that maybe see things a lot differently than somebody like a you know like like the dudes that work at meat meat eater you know like the ranellas and 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 all those other folks that all these names that we know you know they have their perspective but but sometimes um not that their perspective is wrong it's just it's got blind spots just like perspectives like ours just like the average hunter we have blind spots as well and so i like to get everybody's perspective so we can kind of formulate what we could do to protect the the future of hunting uh because i i am i i am when i started this podcast gave, I was nervous about the future of hunting. Now it is, in my opinion, um, it's emergency status. And a lot of it is hunters shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of it is the, the growing anti-hunting movement. And a lot of it is these animal rights activists and these value sets that differ greatly throughout different perspectives and upbringings. And, you know, people live such different lives in America and people get, get so tribal nowadays. So, all that that's a long way for me to ask you what do you what do you see um when you're looking into the future of hunting what what do you see as the biggest threat well i'll put some uh, background to it um i've always been aware of what's going on politically with hunting rights and stuff with rural lifestyles for a long time um i remember back in the day where i would bring up something that's going on politically that had to deal with hunting and like a, a Facebook group or a forum or whatever, back when it wasn't popular, and you pretty much just get kicked out of those because people didn't want to listen to anything about politics. And they were just, you know, they wanted to enjoy their hunting lifestyle. In the last few years, with all the stuff that's happening, it's just been accelerated. And a lot of guys have been uh, getting involved, which is good. 
Um, I think there needs to be some direction there. Um, you know, it, it does make a difference, you know, calling your legislators, you know, going to meetings, email the, you know, like the wildlife commission, that type of thing. But I think we're, we're to the point now, like you say, we're in emergency status. We need to take it up another notch. We need to start, you know, using what the environmental groups do with us and start, you know, suing them, that type of thing. We need to, we need to really get on the ball because it's coming from every direction right now. I mean, yeah. When, in the last like five years, it's just, I never imagined that we would be where we are now. I mean, I figured that would might happen 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's just every year it just gets worse and guys have to realize that this is the new normal. I mean, you know, everybody gets demoralized, you know, you get one defeat or whatever. So everybody kind of wanted to go back to their corner and whatever happens, happens. It can't do that. This is, this is the new normal. Uh, this country was built on people that would fight for their freedoms. And, you know, as a normal guy, that's what our responsibility is, is to do that. And just to keep after it, because this is the new normal. We can't, we yeah. can't slack, you know, we can't slack off. We got to just keep being involved. Pay attention to what's going on. You know, I I understand everybody's got their own lives that's going on, that type of thing. But we really have to pay attention and be involved. Everybody. And I, I'd like to see, you know, some of the bigger names. There's quite a few bigger names in the uh, hunting industry that talk about this type of stuff or whatever, what's going on. But I think everybody needs to start stepping up. And when, you know, guys that are on a first-name basis with most hunters, if they start rallying the troops that I think we can coalesce a little bit better instead of being fragmented, like you were talking about. Um, yeah. Cause we kind of, you know, bow hunters, muzzleloader hunters, you know, who shoots a 6.5 cream more compared to me shooting my 300 Winchester Magnum. <laughs> that type <of> thing. <laughs> I don't get the, I don't get the drama behind the 6.5, man. I have one. I love it. I, I think it's cool. Uh, I'm but I also have to buy one because, there's lots of ammo on the shelf for a 6.5. That, that's that's how I ended up with one. I couldn't find any 300. And and so yeah, I, I ended up with this uh this Savage and and it's a great freaking rifle, man. Uh so anyway, I, I just I don't understand the drama, but you're right. It's a, it's a it's one of those fragment it's a, like a fragmentation thing. It's an excuse to hate on the fellow hunter in a way. And I I don't I don't care if it's a I hate the caliber discussion because it's it's one of those things that's it's so personal. And if people just stripped the drama out of it and understood that it doesn't matter if you're carrying a 243 or a 300 win mag or a uh I don't care if you're carrying a 556 or a 6.5 whatever as long as a it's legal and b you're effective and you're lethal with it. It's it's such a personal thing but you've seen how people get so freaking fired up about it. It's ridiculous. But I want to do as much hunting as possible, so I will yeah. hunt with whatever I can lay my hands on. Exactly, and that's you That's kind of the point of how I ended up with this six point five. Is uh, remember what was that like two years ago? You couldn't get ammo for anything except a six point five Creedmoor. Yep. And so now I have like five ammo cans full of six point five, uh, and I put uh, I put one of those. What was what is that? A whiskey five scope on it it's a great weapon man it's it's been a it's been a great rifle for me and that doesn't mean i'm just stuck to that and i'm gonna it's some hill i'm gonna die on i still love my 300 wind mag i still love my 30 30 
lever action cowboy gun that i used to shoot coyotes off the back of my horse on you know like i was john wayne i still love that rifle and and i just i just don't understand the drama i really don't i don't mean to go down that tangent but the point that you made that it is time to do other things you know the litigation i think is is where we're at the problem with litigation is it's so expensive it's it costs a lot of money so we're gonna have to figure out how we how we get this money organized into a pot and get people willing to put their money where their mouth is, because yeah, if you ever do you remember that show um, Full Metal Jacket, and they're yes. they're in Vietnam and and Joker he's one of the characters he's in this meeting and he's like you know this writer for uh, for the military newspaper uh, Stars and Stripes I think, and uh, if if anybody if you guys have not seen full metal jacket come on are you even american go watch full metal jacket but anyway they're sitting in this thing and and it was just around the time of the tet offensive in 1968 vietnam uh the surprise attack by the north vietnamese uh, you know military and and whatnot and um the guys like unfortunately you know we're all gonna it's a giant shit sandwich and we're all gonna have to take a bite and that that line rings true for where we're at with hunters. I feel like I'm losing my voice, man. So bear with me. Um, the the that that line rings true. We're all going to have to take a bite of this giant shit sandwich because we have we have a, a, like a not to use a cheesy military or historical um, reference, but we have like this Tet Offensive going on, and and we have this we have this major enemy that is out to get us and they're they're so well organized and they're so well funded and they're they have the ability to bring litigation against us and they have the ability to get in the ear of these legislators um and it's scary man and it it comes out where does this come from in your mind uh this this obsession you know we get these these people that are so tribal they're obsessed they're attaching themselves to like this cause to to be against hunting and against trapping which by the way there uh, there's like i don't know seven or eight really big like mainstream anti-trapping uh pages on instagram and i've followed all of them well one of them booted me off because i made a comment on one of their things because they're they're all lying they're they're full of shit and and uh, it is official as of now what is today the 14th of january all of them, every last one of these anti-trapping organizations that are against wolf trapping, and they're all constantly running around creating drama about how all these non-game species get caught in traps and 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 whatnot, and they're exaggerating the facts on on that to to like big time. But um, all of them have refused to come on my show, and and I have sent them very nice messages that hey i if you come on my show i will be fair it's not to have a debate it's for like to help us understand your value set and and your perception why do you think management of wolves and other uh predatory species or any trapping species is is so has such a negative impact on on animals and conservation efforts because i i want to hear it i I seriously want to hear where like like where do you get your facts your weird bizarre twisted freaking facts that you post on these pages all the time where my blood pressure goes through the roof because they're flat out lying um and i i want to hear it but they they all say no man i think it's you know i'm a little bit more cynical about it i really don't think a lot of them really care that much about wildlife 
uh, it's a business. It's it's a big time business because they can misconstrue the facts, say whatever they want to say, and then they get people's emotions fired up. They'll donate money. That's where they get all the all this money for all this litigation is just because they play off people's emotions and then they don't. Um, we're going to have to just raise the money and do it ourselves, too. Um, it's just like the Washington Wildlife Commission. I don't really think they really care about wildlife. What they care about is they want to get rid of the hunters off the landscape, and they're willing to destroy the state's wildlife population in order to do that. And that's exactly so what that, they're moving. So, but what would be their motivation for that? Is it so that they're the controlling stakeholder in in? They just don't like hunters. Yeah. No, I agree I, with I that. Think it's simple. They just don't like hunters, so they're willing to make these decisions to lower game populations. So then we're not part of the equation. And, and it could even go deeper than that. I think that there's there's some, and I don't think like your your run of the mill um, anti hunter is like this. But there's, you know, there's these these like, um, what do they call those? What what does an octopus get on you? Like the ten or the, uh, tentacles, right? These these long yes. reaching tentacles. I still have a little bit of this. Whatever's ailing me, whether it's COVID or not, <laughs> it's still messing <laughs> with my brain a little bit. Uh, it's got these tentacles that are overreaching. And I think that there is this thing behind, and, and we're going to get into some of this, but um, what better way to eliminate the importance to the individual of our American public land system than getting rid of hunting and wild game? Because we all know, like, if if you just let, if you just let wolves run amok with no management whatsoever, that's going to catch up to the entire eco ecosystem. Everything's going to start dying off, right? Without that wild game, what value is public land? L like we would not have a national forest system, uh, for example, that spends billions of dollars to manage these, these public lands without the actual stakeholders that, that make up why it's important, meaning hunters. What say you? I just they want to remove us as as the stakeholder. Uh, you know, we're going to get into uh, talking about what this natural asset company thing here in a little bit. That's more of a, a control type thing. Um, they want to. I don't I don't know if that situation deals with what we see in like Washington State and elsewhere. Um, they just. I just don't think that they want us. As as a stakeholder, they. I just I I guess what I'm what I'm asking, and uh, I kind of I took you down a little uh, a, a long way to get here, but the it it troubles me, Gabe. Sometimes when I think about like what is a person's motivation to be so committed to taking somebody else's cherished lifestyle away. And I, I ask that from a sense like I if if somebody grew up and and they're like vegan, okay, for example, and and they they just want to have um you know tofu and refried beans and and uh broccoli and 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 whatever. And they're very passionate about it. You know, they they try to be as healthy as they can with it and they try to help other vegans, show them the path to be healthy. Um with with a plant-based diet and, and i'm using this totally as an example here uh i would never as a hunter 
pursue or put my personal effort, blood, sweat, and tears, or even uh, it, it, I wouldn't use any of my capacity to try to stop them from living that life, right? The problem is the the problem is is they don't they don't return that favor. They think that because their value set is we shouldn't hunt animals and everybody should be vegan that everybody else needs to live that way, that everybody else's value set is less than because theirs is that, you know what I mean? And, and I just, that's the mentality that I don't understand. And, and it's the mentality that I, I, I always get hung up on this little thing. Like I, I just would never go to a vegan convention and protest outside and say, you guys, I demand you go hunting and you eat meat. Right. And and, it's kind of our culture. It's kind of our culture right now because it's everybody's wrapped up in their own self thing and they think that they have their own truth and that's what they're going to go off of. And they really don't care about anybody else and what they might have going on and what the other people might value in, in their lives. I, I like that line that you just used The my wife watches these reality shows and, and sometimes I'll get bored and sit down and I'll watch, watch like, you know, like um, bachelor, <laughs> something like that. And the, these dudes, these man they're like the girliest men i've ever seen in my life and it drives me freaking crazy but anyway we'll sit down and watch them and they say stuff like what you just said well i'm just gonna speak my truth this is my truth what does that mean what the hell does that mean there is no my truth your truth there just only is truth right like i don't understand what speaking my truth means and you hear this a lot from the left you know these these um political hacks on the left that, that, you know, if they start losing an argument, they go to this thing where it's like, well, this is just my truth. No, I'm sorry. That is not your truth. Be it, It's I'm sorry. Your, your delusion about what gender you are is not a truth. Your delusion about how healthy veganism is, is not a truth. It is just your choice. And you could, you could it, do that. It's all just you your want. opinion. And like, it's your, it, opinion. It's just your opinion. And like everybody says, they're, they're like assholes. Everybody's got one, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, you're exactly right, man. And I think that that's how we've gotten here to this. And, and I'm, I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build like this foundation of understanding. Why, why do we have these people that are, are pursuing a lifestyle of removing our lifestyle? Right. And, and it's, it doesn't matter if it's hunting there. It, this, this can bleed into all sorts of different sectors. There's, there's people that don't believe we should have farming. There's people that believe we shouldn't have uh, you know, this rural lifestyle of self-reliance and self-sufficiency, and we should all be very reliant on the government, right? And and uh, we should all have our kids educated by the government no matter what. And we should all have uh, government-provided health insurance and all, all these things. And then there's people that think that they, they're afraid of guns, so we should all get rid of our guns, and everything's going to be great after that. And so it's not just specific to hunting. And that, I think, therein lies the problem, is as hunters, we've all just kind of tuned out a lot of that stuff maybe maybe as hunters you know i've always been politically very uh opinionated so to speak uh and i don't approach it as it's my truth i just come at it from it's the truth right uh and and there's things that that i know to be true uh but i've never inserted that into my hunting life and and now now it seems like you can't get away from it and it goes back to what we were talking about where it's like this big shit sandwich We've all got to take a bite of this. 
whether you're into politics or not, if you're a hunter, we have to get involved. And I don't know, this, this is just, I, I guess where I, I always get hung up on, on this. Uh, Chris Rowe explains it, man. He's got this yeah, a way of putting uh, the, like basically the, the progressive, the status attitude as, as to values and how their value set is to try to control what other people's value sets are where the other side of the aisle is just kind of more of a live and let live um, thing. And, and that's, I don't know. I kind of, I got us all squirrely, man. (laughs) I I think, I think we have to realize that it's not, not all of their side is on the same level. There's people with having an agenda and then they know how to whip up people's emotions and, point them in the right direction, you know, and then, then I think it just plays off how we are as a culture right now. And that's where we end up. Uh, but there, there is a lot of people that have a, a hardcore agenda and they will do whatever and say whatever to get what they want, yeah. you know, and like this whole natural asset company thing is prime example of that one. Yeah. Let's talk, let, introduce everybody. What, what is natural asset company? NAC? Is that? Yes, it is oh, something right now like... that uh, was created by this group called the Intrinsic uh, Group, and they went through uh, the New York Stock Exchange, and now they have the SEC is reviewing and having a public comment period right now in order to get uh, this through. And basically, what it is is they want to have. Uh, a private investment portfolio where it invests in our public and private lands. And um, I'll read you this thing. The guy talked about it. It's pretty Their scary. description of it is yeah. the natural, natural asset company will hold rights to, natu- to nature's ecosystems, productions, air, water, genetics, uh, agriculture, et cetera. So basically, they want to own the air, the water, the land, and that's public and private, and they can have foreign investment also with it. And so, you know, when you when you break down what what they're saying, natural asset company, right? That are you talking about? Like this would be a a private company, maybe publicly traded. That owns yeah, these publicly natural, a publicly traded company that owns and manages natural assets yes. to include like there, there will be different US companies that science. yeah there will be different companies that you could invest in and they will either buy public or private land or lease it out. Um, the uh, I was about ready to say O'Biden administration. <laughs> <laughs> It basically is. That's a but good way to put it. <laughs> they they just started something. Uh, I think it was by executive order last month. It's called Landsat 2030 International Partnership Initiative, and basically they are have requested the USGS, United States Geological Survey, and NASA to study the condition and economic value of land, water, and air, and other natural outputs outputs to assign a monetary value to them, which plays right into this whole. Uh, thing that's coming down the pike with the SEC right now. So I want to read one paragraph from this thing that you sent me. It says, um, unlike other types of companies, the purpose of a 
NAC is to maximize the value of the land's ecological services rather than generate a profit from traditional activities. Unsustainable extractive activities, including energy extraction and the use of farm machinery and synthetic fertilizers, would be prohibited on NAC managed land. Um, So, you know, end quote, by the way. When we're talking about this, is the goal that they own all of it, like 100%, or are they just trying to get little chunks? Because this, you know, I what drives me crazy, this is the 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 link that I have here um, came from the state treasurer of the state of Utah, and a lot of this crap comes out of the state of Utah, and it's it's like there's always this threat in the state of Utah over public land, and they've lost. I, I can't remember what the number of acreage, uh, it's in the millions. They've lost millions of acres of, of public land in the state of Utah. So is the goal that they own all of it? I've been talking about Hoffman Boots for a very long time. You guys know that I'm a huge fan of this company. And it's not just the great products that they make. It's the story behind the company and the people that run it. This generational family of shoemakers right here in North Idaho Make some of the best hunting boots and pack boots and lineman boots and all your boot needs right in one place at hoffmanboots.com. For us hunters, I highly recommend the Explorer. And I don't care if you're running in the 6-inch or the 8-inch or the 10-inch. Personally, I, I love my 8-inch Explorers. They've got the Vibram sole. They are totally waterproof. There's no break-in period. Guys, you can't go wrong with Hoffman Boots because you get all that without breaking the bank. So check them out at HoffmanBoots.com and use promo code ALLCAPSLOCKHUNTSMAN10 at checkout for 10% off and find out why I have been wearing my Hoffman Boots for years and years. Don't be one of those people that have it in their mind that Savage Arms is the same firearms that your grandpa was running around with 40 years ago. It's not. Big game hunting rifles that you can count on. I love my Savage Firearms. I have got the Savage 110 Hunter, uh, and my daughter is uh, pretty happy with this 110 110 Apex Hunter XP. Um, The AccuTrigger is a really interesting little piece to this firearm, and it's a new piece of technology that uh, if you've never tried one, you should, because it'll make you more accurate. It's it's a much easier, higher quality firearm than anything else I've got out there. And I've, I've got a lot of firearms, guys. And so if you're in the market for a new hunting rifle, make sure you visit SavageArms.com, because I promise you, you're going to find something that is accurate, easy to handle, easy to use, long range, functional, just a high quality weapon that you could take to the field and have a lot of confidence that when the time comes, you've got that Savage backing you up and you're going to be notching a tag. Check it out, savagearms.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. Thanks, guys. You know, it's they're, they're not from the state of Utah. Actually, the it's the Attorney General of the state of Utah who's been kind of putting this out there, what's going on. Um, so as as, as want, like a, a whistleblower status, you, yeah. You mean? Oh, okay, I'm, okay. I don't so I have a tinfoil hat, the tinfoil hat thing here. I'm going to try to abstain from that as much as possible. But if you look at the group that that requested for you a New York Stock Exchange to create this, a New York Stock Exchange actually has a whole website dealing with natural asset companies, and but the group that started it 
they're partnered with the World Economic Forum. And in 2021, World Economic Forum said that natural assets is the future of investment. So basically, that's scary. They're trying. There's a hundred. They they figure there's 125 trillion dollars of immediate capital that they can access if they monetize our public lands, waters, everything. And so that's what it is. And so the New York Stock Exchange, you know, Wall Street. They're wanting to make, you know, they're wanting to make money off of it because they have stock trades, all that type of thing. But it's basically they want to control, have complete control over our air and water. Totally, and and there, I, I could, as I'm, I'm kind of like googling and, and researching as as we're talking about this because it's it, some of this stuff is really scary. They've got like pictures of uh, what is obviously BLM land. So, oh, oh and by the way, I want to retract. I don't want. All my friends down in Utah, you know, I love you, but uh, Utah has been a problem public land wise. But I take back what I just said about Utah being because uh, he's right that that this guy is actually kind of more of the, the whistleblower on this, almost given given warning to it. Um, I'm surprised it's gone under the, you know, flown under the radar the last couple of years. I mean, because I'm pretty yeah, involved in like, watching research stuff out. I haven't seen anything about it. And it just, uh-huh. you know, it hit my attention about two weeks ago. And, you know, they're having the comment period ends on Wednesday, whether to create this asset class. The SEC, their comment period ends on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what we need to make people aware of to make comments on this. And, and it's funny you say that. It, it is. It's one of those things that it makes sense for them to fly this under the radar because the general public would not be for this. Like, like you yeah. know, that one of the things they're, they're talking about, um, let's see. Uh, they, they, you know, like a lot of things that are kind of shady and and hush hush, uh, things that fly under the radar, kind of things. They're they're they always have. You can always find these articles where they're like trying to sell people on this, you know, and and they paint uh, this picture where it says like, "quote We were looking for a private sector approach that wasn't dependent on policy. It wasn't dependent on traditional taxes, regulation, or philanthropy to price in these uh, these assets and give investors the opportunity to invest directly in nature." Whether that's for climate or biodiversity, um, yeah, you know when you—that's gibberish. For we want this company to own these assets so that we can control the revenue that is made off of off of these assets, and and to hell with the public to have access to these lands. Um, that the guy that the CEO of that intrinsic exchange group, his name's Douglas Eager. Uh, yeah, that's that's I who I just think quoted. I sent you that uh, that podcast that he did, and I have but not his, I have not been able to listen to that yet. By the way, I meant to tell you the that first sentence says everything. It said natural asset companies will hold rights to nature's ecosystem productions. So if you yeah, and that, and that break that sentence down, you'll realize that that's they want to control everything that has to do with our natural ecosystems. Yeah. And so basically what that means to the listener uh, listening to this is that that takes you from being in a, 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 a you know, quote unquote, owner of public land, a stakeholder uh, where currently the, you know, let's 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 use BLM and Forest Service management managed for the good of the people. Right. And and 
for 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 to our benefit, whether that is through recreation or mining or grazing or you know everything that that kind of takes place on on a lot of these lands. And anybody listening to this show should know how that system works. So, um, but that takes us out of that equation. And that what what was that sentence you just read? Can you re can you read that again? Natural asset companies will hold rights to nature's ecosystem productions, air, water, genetics, etc. So who is going to be the stakeholder in that? That is going to be the people that own stock in that NAC, that natural so asset who, company. Whoever can buy as much. So, you know, companies like BlackRock or yeah. and what's even crazier about this is it's not just, you know, people in the United States of America that can invest. There's there's a foreign aspect to this that they allow foreign investment. So you have countries like China and Russia that can buy into our natural resources. That's scary. Uh, that's really scary. I, I hate the entire thought of foreign entities owning our currently public lands. Uh, I don't like them owning. Sorry, I'm trying to read and, and talk at the same time. This is creating this whole new category and monetizing things that nobody has a right to own, said Margaret Byfield, the executive director of the American Stewards of Liberty, a property rights focused organization. So, so this is a property rights organization throwing a fit. Um, and they're 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 defenders of, of private lands. So we know that the private lands are going to have their advocates. Do we have anybody advocating for the public land side of this? No, and that's why it's really surprised me. You know, as some of these groups haven't come out. Uh, you would think, you know, like backcountry hunters and anglers, you know, they've been pretty active with the public lands issue, but like we were talking about, this just takes us out of being public landowners. We will not be a public landowner any longer. Exactly. There will be corporations that own, and they will be making the decisions. So we, we would no longer be the stakeholder. And you know, one of the... Exactly, exactly. One, one of the concerns I see throughout, as I'm kind of like uh, spot reading through some of these articles, I need to move my screen so I'm not like like talking out of the mic here when I'm doing this, but um, I'm seeing a lot of discussion around sustainability, um, you know, climate change. There's, there it is for like the fourth time, uh, all these things. And, and, and for a guy like me, I am super leery of any kind of government or, or corporate interference, uh, or, or, um, takeovers under this guise of climate change and environmentalism and things like that, because, the the problem it's not like i'm a climate change denier but i'm not sold on the fact that that climate change is this big human cause thing and i'm not even sold on the fact that carbon is this big issue because there's a lot of information that that dispute that in fact the the, the information and the sources that dispute what causes climate change uh happen to come from a place of much greater credibility than the ones that are like these Al Gore types shoving this shit down our throats and trying to tax us more for it. I'm sorry. I'm not paying taxes for your science project that you have no data on. I, I'm just not. That, that's not. That's, I'm not okay with that. And I, whenever I bring this up, Gabe, people, I, I make people fly off the handle with this. But the thing is, is the science isn't settled. So don't take a chunk out of my ass over it. And we, we don't know. And and what they're trying to do is they're trying to like use this as a way to make people feel comfortable that they're going to be some savior of the climate by doing this. 
and and that's not what the, what the case what what it's going to be is they're going to be like this controlling entity that could tell us we can't go hunt on it because we as the public can't take care of our own land or the the forest service can't manage it well enough or the BLM can't manage it well enough so these big corporate conglomerates have to come in and these publicly traded companies come in and they're going to so-called take better care of it under the guise that they're going to stop climate change and increase sustainable uh what did they say sustainable management restoration and conservation i just don't buy it do you no it's i mean i'm i'm not convinced and you can never convince me that a marriage between corporations and government is going to build to do its best for you know our our public lands that's man that was not going to happen best lines i've ever heard on the show that that's that's i couldn't agree more seriously yeah huh in my opinion i mean like i said i've been in personally try to keep myself involved in everything with hunting rights and politics for the last 20 years or so and personally i've never seen anything as scary as this is this is scary and we're just scratching the surface man i like complete input into everything that goes on yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely we will have no say we will have no No. say if if like you know how um we've gone from a lot of these rural locally owned farms to now we've got uh, these major corporate entities that own massive amounts of farmland uh, and, and, and they are the lot, they are their own lobbyists. They've got so much money and power. Mm -hmm. They're their own lobbyists. It's not like, you know, uh, farmer Joe that used to own that uh, thousand acres right there that, that uh, farmed for, for uh, maybe wheat and corn or something, you know, he didn't have much, lobbying power himself but these giant corporate conglomerates do and a lot of them are foreign owned and so um that's that's an issue all you know separate from itself but uh anyways that the problem with that is we have no idea what they're doing with that land we have no idea what they're spraying on that land there's no real regulation on that and there's it's just like this joke that we think that the the layers of bureaucracy and government are keeping a clear eye and a close eye on, on, on what's going on so that the environment is not being negatively impacted. And, and they're, they're these, these are the same people that say that they want to tax us more to save the climate uh, as if our tax dollars are going to go to something tangible that turns around climate change issues, or, or we're going to, we're going to do this thing where we have all these layers of, of um, you know, we're going to turn a change to the, the electric car. But in order to do that, we're going to mine the cobalt through slave labor and, and act like we've got some fucking moral authority uh, making these children mine these, this cobalt out of the Congo and ship it back. So all these freaking hippies can drive around and feel good about themselves. This is the stuff that is like, I'm, I'm over I'm over them thinking that they have the wool pulled over our eyes, Gabe. We got to, this is the stuff they're going to bury us with this shit. This, and, and if we don't do anything, we're already getting buried. There's already, there's already people out there driving around acting like they have some moral freaking uh, high ground over, over the rest of us because they're vegans and they drive electric cars. When the reality is, is guys like you and I, are we are very good stewards of the land we are very good environmentalists so to speak without the label of being an environmentalist because we care we're actual stakeholders we're actually involved we do more yeah we're involved 
we benefit from the land more so than just watching the latest uh, geographic national geographic documentary on freaking Netflix. This stuff is important to us. We feel we live on this land and, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, I'm getting worked up, man. I'm trying, I'll, I'll calm. I'll, let me, let me shift gears. <laughs> let me back it down. Well, it, and you know what? If they, they pretend like we're, we're aliens. Yeah. We're actually, but like we, of, we're, like we're we don't belong on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. We are a part of nature. That's just the way it is. And, you know, we need to stick it with that, that direction, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm going out hunting, you know, I'm basically, just another part of nature i'm i'm the the ultimate predator i mean you can it sounds kind of corny but that's the way it is yeah yeah you no, know? absolutely. I'm the, the, the intelligent being of the the intelligent being of the rest of them you know they're instinctive or whatever but we are a part of nature that's just the way it is and we have been for thousands of years ever since we were throwing spears you know yeah absolutely it's it's just i i think the uh, the one thing i want to clarify Going back, like with what I was saying, I know I, I get on these tangents. I don't want anybody to think that like I'm against electric cars. I, I'm really not. I'm just not going to get one. I'm just not going to drive one. It, it won't fit suit my lifestyle. I drive too much. I, and I, I I know that my impact on the environment with my big old freaking diesel power stroke pickup truck sitting out there, it's not doing that much to the environment. I'm sorry. There's just the, the data is not there. And and I but I, I don't care if somebody wants to have and own an electric car my my point with that was don't act like you're some better person uh to the overall um goodness of humanity because you do that because you're not dude you're not i'm sorry you sit there and have to charge it on the same power grid uh that that's uh, pumping oil so shut up anyway um what uh, tell me a little bit about this comment period you you mentioned a comment period there well, unfortunately, they got extended. There was, I think, 49 uh, senators or congressmen that wrote a letter to the SEC asking to him to push out the comment period. And like I said, it ends the 18th. And once that's done, if they accept it as being an asset class, and it's, you know, then I think our only direction is to go through Congress to get something to stop. You know how that works. On either side of the aisle, there's nothing that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just yeah, slow motion. Uh, r- real quick before you before you go on with that, I'm going through with this article here. This eager guy. Let's see. He, he said critics have misunderstood the proposal and what kind of authority a natural asset company could actually assert over land lands in its portfolio. Lands in its portfolio means that. Uh, they own that land that that's their asset right and so that it's not like he can he can claim that the, he's not going to have some authority over it because that's that's not true so he says whether it's under the bureau of land management or fish and wildlife service national park national forest service all of those have existing rules you couldn't come into an area that is multiple use and change that do you believe him when he says that no no way no i don't either i mean because just off of his for his definition of a natural asset company that says they will hold the rights to nature's ecosystem productions. I mean, so he can like, they can, you know, they, you know how they are. They sidestep and speak out the side of their mouth on everything just to make it look good for, you know, that they want to save the planet, but that's not the case. Yeah. 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 You know, you want to take it to like the private land, like in Alaska, my property, I don't, I don't hold the mineral rights on it. So they could, you know, a company like that, 
if it was an asset class, they could buy the mineral rights to my property. And who knows what rules they're, you know, the SEC is going to allow these natural asset companies to have as far as control-wise. They could fairly well tell you whatever you can do with your property if they hold the mineral rights or water rights or whatever else. So that's, a, that's you know, on the private property end of it, that's a big concern. And easements, conservation easements, I know is a big deal. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Not, not to totally shift gears here, man, um, but... Do, would you mind sharing, like, whereabouts in, in Alaska is your property? On the Kenai Peninsula, about 35 minutes from Homer. So what 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 kind of what, what kind of bug got into you to, to go buy a chunk of land up there? Well, my, my old man's always talked about Alaska. That's his favorite place. I mean, I think if he could, he'd move up there again right now. He spent a lot of time there when he was younger. And then uh, me and my girlfriend, we were going to go up there on a little vacation. I had just sold my place. I'm like, well... I put a post out on Facebook. Oh, I might, you know, look for properties for sale or whatever. I remember and, uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A friend of my dad's hit me up and he's like, I got this place, you know, I'll give you a really good deal on it. And he gave me a crazy good deal on it. And really? Uh, yeah. I went up there, I flew up there, looked at it in about five feet of snow and said, I'm sold. <laughs> what do you do you mind if I ask like what kind of acreage it is or, it's or if it's it borders borders a a, a stream? Oh, so beautiful, it's man. Got, I, I got everything on a power sewer and a well and a, a small, you know, like pole building on it. And it's only about a mile and a quarter from the beach, too. So oh, it's really? one of the only places you can actually catch halibut from the beach. Oh, it's pretty man. awesome. So yeah. do you do you see yourself? One of the reasons I'm asking this question is because of these sub-zero temperatures we've had lately, this last week, you know, the last few days. Do you ever see yourself like living in Alaska? On the property? Oh, part-time. That's my goal is to spend half the time, you know, once I retire from the railroad or whatever, half the time in Montana and half the time in Alaska. Gotcha. That's, that's what I'd like to do. Like, like. It's been warmer up there. It's been warmer up there than it has down here. <laughs> is it really? Oh, I, yeah. I've yeah. always wondered that. You know, yeah. Yeah. I could deal with the 30s, but this, this whole negative 22 thing, like my wife and I, we talked about it years ago. We're like, you know, maybe, maybe we'll uh, move to Alaska. <laughs> Last great frontier, right? But man, they I moved over the. Augusta, Montana, for a year once. Ooh, it's over yeah, by the Oh yeah. Yep, yep. It was thirty-five below zero for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's cold, man. I just, I, I yeah. just, I'm not, I'm not cool with living somewhere like that. I just, I don't know. I, I actually like, I like North Idaho, Western Montana summers. You know, I like the ninety-five degrees, uh, swimming in the rivers and and uh, and getting out there. And I just, I don't know. I like, I like four seasons too um it's a horrible place to live come on <laughs> it is terrible it is terrible you're better off going to arizona uh utah utah is great Cal- california is awesome <laughs> you know what and there's not a lot of people left in california because they're like all over here somewhere so uh, there's got to be some good deals in california real all estate the hunters, wise. all the hunters in california moved to north idaho right yeah they sure did and and they uh so any any of you uh looking to you know, pick up roots and move somewhere else. California's got a lot of wide open country. You'll probably be the only hunter on the mountain at this point. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna now we're gonna get some nasty emails over that, Gabe. Well, wait a minute. Let me tell you something, Jim. I know. Just just, um, just imagine trying to tell everybody you live 30 miles from Seattle. <laughs> is that is that about what you are now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not happy about it. 
Yeah, that sucks, man. You're kind of trapped <laughs> there until kids, you retire. My kids moved over here, so oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I tried I tried doing the whole back and forth thing, and that wasn't working out, so I followed them over. Yeah, I don't blame you. You're a good dad for doing that, man. Not a lot of people would do that. Um, yeah, so that that's interesting, man. I I'm I'm really uh I could tell like on your which by the way your Instagram handle I don't know if you have a different one too, but this one is G Hinkle Photography at G Hinkle Photography, guys. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, I imagine some of those pictures are from your property in Alaska, huh? Yeah, some of them are. Uh, I do a lot of traveling around up there, a lot of hunting, you know, and Wyoming and Montana. I always pack my camera with me, so I got so I I'm not real great about posting on Instagram. I need to get better about that, but I got I got tons of pictures that are I got hey, some yeah. awesome ones from my caribou hunt in Alaska this year. That was uh, quite the adventure. Yeah, you need to post some of those, man. I'd love to see. I see one picture of your caribou, but you haven't posted in like several weeks here what's going on no i i haven't like i said i post more on facebook than i would uh, <laughs> on instagram but see i i i try to I, i'm more on instagram but it's it's because like when i get on facebook anymore i just get on facebook to ruffle people's feathers i i feel like anymore uh but like i feel like all i see on facebook are ads nobody posts stuff anymore it's just like ads that's that's all I see. I get on there and like every once in a while there'll be somebody being like, Hey, I need a plumber. Anybody know anybody? That's about it, you know. <laughs> when you figure out the algorithm, let me know. Because <laughs> yeah. who knows what they got going on. I haven't I haven't figured out the algorithm. I I posted a really funny video last night on Facebook. Was that last night? No, it was two nights ago. And like I know I have I have hundreds of friends on there that would get a freaking chuckle out of that. And I swear it got like, it got, uh, what do they call that? Like censored kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Uh, I don't, what is I that? The there, term, but there's another the term. Yeah. 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 So people aren't seeing it. Um, because it's, uh, it's like, it was, it was actually a video that Trump posted <laughs> about the, the white house is like this old folk retirement home. And, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty dang funny. It's like the king of trolling right there. I uh, did a great job with that, but anyway, so yeah, I don't, I don't get on f- Facebook nearly as much, but I'll, I'll try to get on more so I can see more of your stuff here. Is there, is there anything else you want people to know about this NAC situation before we kind of move on from that? Yeah. I'd like to, you know, communicate with you and you could put in the show notes, uh, the links to make uh, the public comment on yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And also the links to, you know, for people to research who, their U.S. congressman or senator is, and even reach out to them and ask them to write a letter or whatever else. And the reason why you wouldn't support this, that it's, you know, threatening basically public landowners' way of life and a rural way of life. Um, so if you could put that in your, your show notes, uh, people can reach out to me if they want to know how to, where to get a hold of somebody that, you know, voice their opinion or whatever, I'd be more than happy to help them out because ever like you said ever everybody's gonna jump on this bandwagon and end up in a hurry because if we're kind of running short on time on it when, when does when, when does the comment period end again on uh, wednesday i think the 18th is wednesday isn't it or the is that wednesday or thursday hold on let me my, yeah, my th- hope is, is we can get the comment period uh extended out again the 18th is thursday okay 
So well, I'm going to put this out on Tuesday morning first thing. And so people will have okay. a couple of days uh, to, to do the comment period. And like you said, I, I think guys take a few minutes and, and I don't think that we are even highlighting the magnitude of, of what the consequences of something like this could be. Uh, it's, it's not going to be some sudden shift overnight. It's going to be over the next few years. Uh, we, we would start losing any stakeholdership, if you will, of, of some of these public lands, uh, areas that get sucked up by these natural asset companies. Um, well, I think it would start with like, you know, timber company land. I think that would be some of the first ones to go. I think so too. We, we already, it's already a struggle to have access to those properties anymore you know with mm-hmm. people buying them up the from fees. Texas or whatever and controlling them and yeah oh yeah you know and i think it's one of those things that it's going to steamroll you know it's it's like a domino effect where it'll it'll start with you know you know some of these privately held uh or private land entities i suppose uh could get sucked up by these nacs and then uh, they, it would it, it would quickly moved into like those timberlands you were talking about, and and at that point, then it, it, it could start under the guise of we're going to manage it better for climate change. BS. Uh, it, it'll start rolling into actually public lands. Uh, speaking of, you know, <clears throat> whether they're even if they're state-owned lands, uh, that would be that would be bad. But uh, you, you know, we're talking about U.S. Forest Service. Then you take away from like rural communities. You know, they do that yeah. with. The state lands, you know, like school trust lands, all that type of thing where uh, rural communities get money for schools and whatever else, then they can lose out on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's uh, and that's an important point. I, I don't know. Um, I haven't talked about public land issues for a long time on this show, uh, but but I, I do. I do. Every opportunity I have like to point out the difference, like state owned land is is in it for for. The most part, for those of you listening, is not public access. Uh, the state could do what they want with it, and the, the whole purpose of them owning land is so that they can generate revenue for things such as school districts and other, you know, public services. So that's important for people to know. Uh, but my my biggest concern is is them getting access to to large swaths of BLM and Forest Service land and and bordering timberlands. Uh, things like that, because like, what if, if they're, if they're, if they're a natural asset company, right. And they're, they're coming at this under the guise of, you know, climate change. And they already think that cows farting is like this big freaking problem. Um, because yeah, they're that dumb. Um, I, I just, I, I can't imagine what that would do to thriving elk herds, uh, and other wildlife on that landscape when that is not going to be the priority to manage these lands for 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 the public, uh, specifically for the hunter, uh, because that's that's you know basically how our system is set up now. Uh, the the well, negative you know impact. that they're going to come at it from the preservationist point of view. Oh, know? absolutely, yeah. It's, it's going to be absolutely. more about less management, more preserving it. Let it, but we can't. There's too many people on the landscape anymore. You know, with modern America. We've ate up too much of the habitat. We have to manage and be at have management of our natural resources. It can't go back to the way it was. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, that's unrealistic. And we hear that all the time. In fact, I just, li- I don't remember who's, because I would call them out. I just heard, was I, I was listening to a podcast. Oh, man. I remember when I heard it, I'm like, man, I'm going to call them out on my show for, for saying something stupid like this. 
I don't remember who it was. So we'll, uh, they're, they're off the hook for now, but they literally <laughs> said that, um, you know, these anti hunters, they think that, um, animals can manage themselves, uh, on the land. And, and I agree that that's true, but no, whoever that was, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and I, I, you know, I, I like to hear everybody's perspective and, and really think about it, but I, I couldn't disagree with something more. The wildlife cannot manage themselves. We, we are not at that. This is not 1829, uh, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, California, whatever, West, the West. Arizona, uh, it, it's it's not like that anymore. They cannot manage themselves. We have the human, the human development and infringement on winter ranges to highways to everything. All the infrastructure infrastructure from rail systems, which Gabe can tell you, rail railroads will cut off wildlife corridors just as bad as a freeway will. And and uh, am I wrong with that? By the way, they they do they do travel back and forth, but. You know, I'm sure there's some effect to it. Well, I'm going to come at it from this perspective. When I'm hunting and I have to go way up this stupid, what are those like lava rocks they put on the side of those things, cross that railroad and drop back down. I'm pissed. <laughs> so it yeah, cuts they're, off. They're rough to walk on. That's for sure. <laughs> they are. But anyways, uh, it, the, the, the point, the point stands. We have, we have rail systems. We have freeways, highways, byways. But county roads everything else we've got reservoirs we've got dams we've got uh airports we've got urbanization we've got suburban neighborhoods sprawling out way past what they were initially uh, designed to hold like kootenai county idaho is one that just baffles me man the the there's this uh area caught and a lot of a lot of listeners will know what i'm talking about but there's this there's this herd of elk that winter every year they uh come down kind of on that rathrum prairie between rathrum idaho and the state line with washington uh the and i've always called them the trent the trent uh herd of elk it's a big i big used herd. to drive by them all the time going to work yeah and and you know they they've got this spot where they cross kind of right on right there at the state line just about and they've been crossing there and wintering out in those those fields for years well, they are getting closed in on that that particular field. Like they're they're developing one end of it, and then they're like, I, I don't know what they're doing. I just knocked my mic off. I don't know what they're doing on the other side, but they're like, um, they've created like gravel pits or something. But I'm I'm seeing these big mounds develop on the other side, and so the elk where it, it used to be really hard to see them because you'd really have to watch for like a mile. Now. They're all kind of compacted in, and there's right now there's a nice bull, by the way, in uh, with this group, and there always is every year, you know. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's always a nice bull in there, uh, and a few raghorns always. But now all these elk are kind of squished into this little area because the development is is just encroaching on this winter range that they've had for you know hundreds of years, and and you look at that at some point that winter range is going to be gone. Those elk are not, and then they're going to be back up on the mountain with the wolves, and that's one reason why they're down there is because they're safe. Yep, exactly. There's not much much, uh, wintering range up on that mountain, you know. So what, whatever they have, there there is no winter range up on Rathdrum Mountain. That place is hell, and there are wolves up there. Uh, a guy, a, a guy killed a wolf up there not very long ago. They like put it in the paper like it was this big deal. Um, anyway, the the point with that is talking about. 
when you uh, look at that, things. we affect it all. Wildlife cannot manage itself anymore. We're we're destroying their winter range. We're destroying their corridors. We're wiping them out on the highways. We're introducing apex predators into their backcountry habitat. That's wiping them out by the thousands every year. So so this this idea, this fantasy that that we can we can have wildlife manage itself on the on the landscape as if like the ecosystem is just going to manage itself it's going to take care of itself it's bullshit that and you people listening you know it and i know it so whoever that podcast was it was a hunting show man like come on that's not how that that's not how it works we can't give in to even anti hunters yeah go ahead they will they will use roads to travel from one elk herd to the next to, to differing ranges. I've seen in Montana where you go down that there'd be a, a logging road crossing all these the little streams and there'd be little bridges. And on all those little bridges would be a wolf rub where they've been rubbing up against the wooden pole on the bridge. Yeah. And they just travel back and forth on these roads. And that's, you know, back in the day, they didn't, they had natural obstacles. They couldn't travel for 30, 40 miles in a night because now they can't they're running on a road in the middle of the night, you know. They do that mm-hmm. stuff all the time. And so it's not like it used to be. Are you ever like does it ever just like when when you and I talk about something like this, Gabe, I could tell you're the you're the kind of guy, uh, we kind of have a same reaction to some of this stuff from a sense of like this shit is common sense. Like I see those elk getting crowded onto what's left of those fields where they used to win a range. And now they're not going to be able to do that because they're going to put fucking townhomes up in it. Uh, and, and, and other things that we're talking about along these lines, do you ever wonder like how, like, pardon my French. I don't, if you're going to send this to your grandma or something, like I apologize in advance, how the fuck do people think that that is okay? This is all okay. How? I don't get it either. I, I, I just, I don't understand how it could be so difficult for people to understand. And I, I know I probably, I probably sound angry and bitter. I kind of am, man. I've been sick for over a week. I'm sick people of being live sick. People their closed <laughs> little lives and they don't, yeah. they don't see what's going on around them, you know? Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, that's why we were in the position as hunters right now is because you know, and I understand it completely. People don't want to get involved in that type of stuff, but we went for decades where everybody's in their clothes of life and they never thought that this stuff could happen. And when stuff did pop up, they're like, no way. You know, the whole, I call, actually, I call it toxic apathy because it's really come back to bite us in the butt. Dude, I'm going to steal that line. Toxic apathy. Man, I'm writing that down. Hang on. That's, I, I knew you were smarter than me. Toxic apathy. That's a lot better than toxic masculinity. It makes more I sense. Spend a lot of time, I, sp- I, I figure all kinds of things out when I spend all those hours on a train. I was going to ask you that. Do you like when, when you're cruising down, you're going through the mountains with your train, you know, I don't know how many tons of whatever you're carrying. Do you just sit there and like have these philosophical times where it's like, man, if, if, if the hunters would just start doing this, maybe they would Think pull their head out of there. <laughs> all the time. I, I, I do too. Cause I drive a lot for my day job. I'm, I, I cover all of, you know, Washington, Idaho and Montana for my day job. So I'm on the, I'm on the highway a lot. And, uh, now every time I'm on the highway and I see a train, I'm going to be like, I wonder if that's gay. 
I'm going to drive up and start waving. <laughs> There's a lot of people that do. Do you ever see, do you ever bust the dudes that are always painting the side of the train with the, they, what do they call that tagging? You know what, to be honest with you, this is something I can't figure out because there's every train car has got that on them. Yeah. And I've only seen one guy do that in 18 years. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, you know, you know, ghosts or something. I don't know. You know, what's funny about that, man. Like I look at some of that, like, dude, some of those dudes are serious freaking artists. Like that oh, is ca- so, like, Absolutely what? how did you do that? That's crazy. They, they do that with spray cans. Yep. Huh. Some of anyway, it's great artwork. It's really good. I I don't mean to like, you know, I know it's vandalism or whatever, but you got to admire some of that shit, man. They do a good job. <laughs> so, um, well, cool, man. I've, I've kept you a long time. I, uh, I don't want to keep you all night, but, um, I sure enjoy talking to you and I appreciate you bearing with me while I'm like losing my voice and, uh, being all bitter and angry, angry about some of this stuff. But I think, I think we're onto something. And I think that, uh, it's important that people understand what this natural asset company is, uh, what, what the sec approving them for, um, being, you know, basically a publicly traded company and, 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 uh, Gabe, uh, chime in if I'm describing this wrong, uh, at any point, but, uh, basically I, we just, the takeaway is I think that, we want people to understand that were this to come to fruition, a uh, conglomerate, a, a giant corporation that is publicly traded is worth billions of dollars in many cases, and they will have no bounds because what happened, Gabe, am I off base by saying that we could think that the politicians have our back, but when it comes to the money that could be donated to their campaigns, uh, who are they going to back? An, an NAC? or a public land hunter? Well, I, I think it's pretty apparent, you know, especially within the last five years or so, that neither corporations or government has our best interests at heart. So no. I don't trust them with anything, you know. That's why we have to stay involved. we got to protect what we have. I mean, there's there's many, many people that, you know, died for our freedoms in this country. And as private citizens, this is our part. This is our responsibility. It's to keep up things at home and make sure those freedoms are maintained at home. So it's just like I always say, like voting, that's just the first step in your like civic responsibility. You have to you could vote somebody in office, but you just can't let them go and do whatever they want to do. You got to keep them, hold their feet to the fire and keep in contact with them. You know, as we see everything that's been coming down the pike the last couple of years with hunting or whatever else. You just have to really pay attention and hold people accountable. I mean, you just can't yeah. let them have a free for all. But everybody needs to quit, you know, band together. Forget this whole I hate non-residents crap, you know, all the stuff that you see all the time, you know, all the things that distract us or whatever, and come together and actually work as a team and protect what we have. Because if we don't, if we don't stay involved, we're going to lose it. And it's just, yeah, that's just reality. I mean, we can't get, can't get around it at this point. I, I love it, man. That's, that's a great way to put it. And I, I want to add to that just to just, uh, do you have just a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, so, so for those of you listening, what, what Gabe, I, I just kind of want to add to what he's talking about because he's, he's incredibly right. First of all, I want to provide a public service. So I have, I have. I have a, you guys know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Savage. They're one of the sponsors on the show. Uh, and, and I've got one of their 6.5 Creed Moors. My, my daughters have Savages. 
great, great uh, rifles. In fact, they've got that uh, that Aki trigger. I, I think that's why I'm such a big fan of it. If you guys if you guys get buck fever, uh, that Aki trigger is really good. I get buck fever. In fact, I'll have my 12-year-old out there in the deer stand and a buck will come in. She's cool as ice, man. Not me. I'm over there shaking my ass off. My boots are about to fall off because I'm shaking so hard. I get I get that bad of buck fever. So that acu trigger is great for that. But anyway, um, what what I want to tell you, it, the public service I'm going to provide. If you have a problem with a 6.5 Creedmoor, my email is Jim at the Western and I want to take your I, I want to take that burden off your shoulders. Send me the meanest, nastiest email you can think of as, as to why the 6.5 Creedmoor is a product of Satan. And I will read that and I will respond. And uh, I, I just want to hear why it's so bad. Okay. And then that way we're not ripping each other apart in the next Facebook group uh, about what, what uh, freaking caliber somebody's using. Uh, so let, let that be the uh, burden relief for you. Send it, Jim at the Western I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the non-resident hate too. Yeah. Yeah. Because send that. People don't, people don't think about that. That's what, that's why the, the hunting industry is what it is, is because it generates income. You know, that's why we can fight for the things that we do. If if we don't, you know, have non-residents that go to different states and hunt or whatever, I'm sure, every, you know, the guys that like to just hunt in their state, that's great. You know, but that creates yeah. our industry. And that industry pays a lot back towards conservation and fighting stuff like this that comes along. Good point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and to your point. And to the point we were talking about when it comes to like who the stakeholder is going to be, uh, consider this, consider this folks listening. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican with, with this point either, but what is like, what is your typical congressman in the house of representatives make 170, 180 grand, something like that. 175,000 a year. Is it 175,000? Okay. Yeah, hundred seventy five thousand. That is not now to some of you. That may seem like a shitload of money, uh, and, and it is. That that is a lot of money, especially before Biden's uh, Bidenomics. Uh, but here we are um, in twenty twenty four, and um, when you consider what some people that own businesses uh, that are very successful, you know what the kind of income they make. Uh, one hundred seventy five grand is is really not like this shocking amount of money. Okay. Especially when you have to rent a place in Washington, DC. Exactly. And they do, they usually have a place at home and then their place in Washington, DC. And, and it's not, it's not super cheap. So I, I, you know, uh, keep that in mind when you're considering these poor underpaid congressmen in DC. I'm trying to say that with a straight face, Gabe, but Nancy Pelosi has a net worth personal fortune of 114 million dollars now riddle me this folks and it doesn't matter if it's nancy pelosi or anybody else riddle me this though how in the flying fuck does nancy pelosi have 114 million dollars worth of net worth making 175 grand a year or possibly a little more because she was speaker maybe that's that i can't imagine it's that much more maybe she's making 200 grand how do you take that kind of money and turn it into hundreds of millions of dollars whilst out of the same side of her mouth talking about the impoverished in America? 
Those NAC firms, were they to become publicly traded entities and and take control of our public lands, they will maintain control of those public lands and do whatever the hell they want with them because people like Nancy Pelosi will make $114 million. I think yep. I, I then, think you know what I'm. They'll what have I'm, the insider, the inside scoop on all that stuff. They and have they're the, the inside, ones that yep. make the money, and and they're it's the not, ones that are going to make that call. I will make money off of it. No, you and I can buy a few stocks in it or something, and and maybe hope to be a shareholder and a stakeholder and a and maybe make it make a, a you know a, a, our our average eighty year eleven percent return or some BS, but the reality is is that money goes to people like Nancy Pelosi and I'm not just picking on Democrats with this. There are plenty of Republicans that are wildly wealthy in the house of representatives that should not be the point I'm trying to make is that's how this shit is run and operated. These NACs will pay their way to total control of our public lands. If we don't put a freaking stinking stop to this. And that is the point I'm trying to make. And, and I just, I, I want people to understand like the magnitude of, of what these repercussions could be. Do you have anything to add to it's, that, Gabe? It's it's rural life, period. I mean, that's what that's what's who's gonna suffer. Yeah. You know. They will it's pretty obvious, you know, the things that have happened with some of these agencies, you know, that there have been just with regulations and whatever the last couple of years, it's just been out of out of control. And they nothing goes through Congress anymore. They just create all their own laws, and that's the same thing that's going to happen. You know, we won't have any control over it. And right now, we do have control, but we are the, big, the biggest stakeholder as taxpayers, and we need to maintain that. We there, There's no way that we have the most special system in the world. I mean, there's a few other countries. I think New Zealand and uh, maybe Finland or Norway, one of those has some public land or whatever. But we have one of the most special systems in the world, and we need to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. This Not is the American corporations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um if if we lived in a if we lived in a country where like uh, you know if if you pull out of my driveway Gabe and hang a right and then hang another right uh you you drive up this dirt road and all of a sudden you are uh the the, the road turns from hardball to dirt road and all of a sudden you are into hundreds of thousands of acres of public land of which I can go up there and and I could hunt, I could pick huckleberries, I could fish the streams and the creeks that that uh, drain out off of this mountain. Uh, I could cut timber for firewood for my place and heat my home with it. Um, we we can go up there and just enjoy nature. Hell, I could be a bird watcher, man. I could go up there and be a bird watcher and take pictures of birds like like guys that know what they're doing with cameras like you uh, know how to do. You know, there there's all all this stuff. That could come to an end, and and that that is the beauty of our system. There's nowhere else in the world that has. See, I can because I could also drive three miles uh, towards Missoula and hang a left, and I'm into another several hundred thousand acres of public land. Uh, I I could head a little north, and I'm into like millions of acres of public land, and I can cross back into Idaho. Uh, and, and keep going all the way over to, into Washington. And there's another several million acres of public land between here and there. Uh, it, it's just like, I, I want people to really take into account how unique this system is. It is ours and we are, we are a free people. And so the reason why it's ours is because we are a free people and we, 
we hold our government uh, accountable. We are supposed to hold our government accountable. We don't anymore, but that's the idea. We hold our government accountable, and and we get to enjoy these things because we are a nation of of free people that that believe in our ability to create our own destiny. And if we don't have that public land, are you really free? If you can't get a $30 deer tag and go up into the mountains without owning thousands of acres of land, of private land, are you really free? Some people might consider it free, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I look at the uh, Europeans and what they have to do just to get a hunting license. Like you have to essentially have this aristocratic, uh, you know, almost royalty status to be able to hunt in Europe. And, yeah, and, uh, and that's that's the way that's you know there's been a lot of money taken over the hunting industry and i've been a little bit trepidatious about that yes we do raise a lot of money for conservation and that sort of thing you know but it has a definite possibility of you know ruining some aspects of hunting for the you know the for the guy that doesn't make a whole lot of money yeah but this if type it's not of thing Nancy here, Pelosi with $114 million, we can't afford to go to hunt a $30,000 elk. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? and, the, and the thing of it is, is if something like this natural asset company happens, it's, it's going to take it to the whole next level. I mean, they could charge you for water or air that you breathe. I mean, how else are they going to make money off of it? They say they yeah. have $125 trillion in, in asset you know, market there. Where are they going to come up with that? They're going to know how are that? That's a great point. Value Gabe. To the air and the water, you know, Gabe, that's a, that's a powerful point. Like how are they going to generate? Because they, they're going to have uh shareholders. They have to, they have to show a, a, a profit for, in order to be mm-hmm. held accountable by these shareholders. How are they going to generate revenue to, uh, on these quarterly meetings, answer to their shareholders as to why they're whether profitable or not profitable. Like, what is? Do you do you have an answer? I, I don't mean to keep dragging this on, but what is the idea there? How are they going to? Well, generate? it has to do with that ESG, the uh, the environmental social uh, governance. That's the whole. That's really uh, looped in with this, and so basically. That air and water and the land is going to be worth more. It's almost like a natural cryptocurrency. It's kind of strange how they're they're going about this, oh, but it's going to okay. be it's going to be worth more the less human uh, interferences with it. Interesting. That's interesting. And they're, and then they're the, doing it with climate so change. I'm sure. So they're like, you know, because. I'll just take it from the private property perspective. I like my problem my place in Alaska having not having mineral rights. Well, they could be like, well, you got an Airbnb, you got a little cabin on this place. That doesn't go along with what we consider, you know, equitable, you know, whatever the social justice, you know, environmental yeah, yeah. justice, whatever for climate change. And be like, you can't operate that, you know, it's, it's not a stretch. Hmm. This is scary stuff. We might have to we might have to revisit this game and and like keep doing episodes kind of centered around this so people are aware of what's going on with it and how it's materializing. Uh it's scary. I've been digging like, into it every day. I mean, when I've not I know you, you said it. I've been watching videos and whatnot, and it just gets deeper and deeper the more I look at it. 
I'm going to listen to that podcast that you sent me, uh, and and so I can I can kind of find out a little bit more. I I you know you. When you do a podcast, you, you tend to get inundated with all sorts of different, you know, every, every hunter has like their own concern. Uh, and, and I like that people send me that because I can't just sit there all day long and like, I have a day job, man. I can't sit there and research what, what the hell the next threat to hunting is or public land or, or, or whatever. So it's really nice to, but I got to say like, some of them are not something I'm that's within my wheelhouse and so when you sent that to me i was like uh okay i'll I'll check this out and then I, it was like two days later i i finally clicked on that link and i started reading into it and i'm like man this he's onto something with this this is this is actually legitimately scary uh th- this really is something that is a threat to the future of our way of life as hunters and being self-reliant and enjoying the freedoms of public land um even even as private land i'm a private land owner you know we we own our 15 acres here i don't want some nac saying that they have ownership of the air or the minerals underneath because i do own the mineral rights on my place Uh, i mean just the thing you're you're right but you're right below the federal land so say they have a lease on it they have a lease on it or whatever else and they're like well your your spring water comes from the mountain that we own and, so and we're taking that now. Yeah. yeah. Now you got to pay us or we're taking it. Or what if they're like, um, well, you know, in order to satisfy our shareholders, uh, we have to log all this land, this timber. And and they 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 remove all that timber. And it, it, it I don't care what anybody says. If w- when you remove timber in mass quantities on a mountain, it changes the dynamic on the mountain and the flow of wild game and the flow of everything else. Sometimes it's for the better. Uh, a good, good, good management of force includes a lot of logging. And the, the problem is, is when you, when it's revenue driven like that, I feel like they, they take a swath of that out and it could it like, don't get me wrong. I hate it when the bears get my chickens, but I love having bears on my property. I, I love that. I, cause I, I put my cameras all over the property. Right. And I love getting my little notification when my cell cam goes off and it's a freaking bear. I love it. I, I don't know. I, I There is something about living somewhere this wild that, that I'm really attracted to. And I always have been. And do I get nervous sometimes if I'm going out there to close the chicken coop at night? Yeah. You know, yeah. Especially when, when I've seen a grizzly on the, on the camera or something. Yeah. I get a little nervous, uh, but I'm also heavily armed, so I'm not that nervous. <laughs> you know, I, I just like that wild aspect and they could fuck that up. They could totally destroy well, it, that. It, it's like a lot of the timber companies anymore. You know, I believe in logging. Logging is healthy for the landscape. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But they, they go like in the state of Washington, they'll go do these huge, huge clear cuts, and instead of all the critters enjoying all that new, you know, uh, stuff that grows everything up from the nutrients from the sun on it, they go and spray it. Yeah, and they so kill it. Just it. Destroys that habitat, and then there's you know then they'll. Do it over one on the other side of the mountain. So, like a whitetail population, you know, has gone down a lot in eastern Washington from the wolves, and also because all these timber companies, they've actually destroyed a lot of habitat because whitetails need some heavy cover, mm-hmm. and then they go and spray it, and then that's that thick cover doesn't grow back up again, and you have fewer deer. Yeah, and what's yeah. there? The wolves. Eat. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then the wolves go into uh, a downturn, and uh, man, I, this all this this is why I say. You cannot let wildlife manage itself anymore. That just those days 
are about 185 years past due. You, you just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And doesn't we, and we don't want corp- and we don't want corporations managing our wildlife. We don't, especially when they are being held accountable by shareholders that own stock in these companies and they demand their stocks provide them with returns. Gabe, what do you see? I, I'm super curious because I, I, again, we've been friends and I don't mean to try to bring you into the mud of politics and whatnot, but if you're willing, what do you see coming up this year in terms of like, um, we've got an election year. Things are very tumultuous. We've got things like these NACs and, and Washington wildlife commissions threatening hunting, uh, we've got, you know, Center for Biological Diversity and the, the uh, Humane Society of the United States. And we've got and then we've got this um, really extreme left wing party out there uh, trying to shove things down our, our, uh, our, our, you know, down our throats in terms of a lifestyle that we don't accept. Uh, what happens this coming year? Do you have like a. Uh, well, if I've know. learned anything, if I've learned anything in the last five years. That is, if I don't expect it, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, expand on that a little bit. Oh, you, you, went, uh, you went blank there. Yeah, Gabe. Can you still hear me, buddy? Yes, I can. There you are. I'm, I, you're back. I, I think. Uh, can you expand on that? My, I think my, my, uh, we have, so we have two modems here. And I, my cat just unplugged this one. Hang on, bear with me. Just expand on your point from, I'll be right back and I'll go plug it in real quick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. What I was just basically saying is the last, you know, four or five years, um, we, we just, everything that we could never imagine has actually happened. And so that's 2024 is, is, uh, in that category, I think. We, we, we won't know, uh, until it happens. Okay. I'm back. Was there a big gap of, uh, no talking? Yeah, there? there'll be, there's probably a little bit of a gap in there. You might have to dang it. Cut out. Gabe, you know, I don't like to actually put in any real work to edit these things, right? You're supposed to fill it in. Yeah. I've got the, so my cats, my daughters are like, Oh, it's, it's too cold. They can't be outside. So they, they've been in the, in the studio. They stay in the studio but they get really antsy when they've been in here for a few days and haven't been let out. And they, uh, they don't want to go out. We try to let them out They're They're like, Nope, not negative temperatures. I'm not You're going out attacking the bear skin behind you. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got uh, one of my modems over there and I can't get to it from this side. I have to go way around the studio table here. Uh, so sorry about that folks. That's all right. All right. So what were we talking about now? I'm totally sidetracked 2024 and how, who knows what's going to happen because I think nothing is off the table right at this point. I mean, they, they're going to, they're going to do whatever it takes to get what their agenda is and what they want for the upcoming election. And who knows what's going to happen. Do you have, do you have, are you like on, on that note? That's right. I, I remember I asked you that question and I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately curious what people think because I see things, I see things like that are hopeful for America. You know, when you go, when I go out into the general public, especially in, you know, small town, Montana, small town, Idaho, you know, people are so friendly towards each other. We've got, I've got people that are, um, helping their neighbors plow all the snow we're getting. Uh, I've got, I've, we've got neighbors 
buying groceries for some of our less fortunate neighbors. We've got, uh, you know, you know, people looking out for each other, checking in, Hey, my, my, my pipe burst because of these temperatures. Hey, my husband's a plumber. I'm sending him right now. You know, all these things like in person, I see this, this greater part of humanity taking place. And I, I, it like fills my heart with confidence that we have this great future, but then you get online or you watch the news or you see some of these reports of these protesters shutting down entire streets in Seattle over shit that they don't even know anything about. And I worry and, and people throwing temper tantrums over what, what presidential candidate is going to, is going to like, you know, uh, not be on a ballot or, or is on a ballot, uh, which I, I think, you know, we have, we have ex- an extreme wing of one of the parties trying to keep somebody off a ballot and and obviously anybody that pays attention knows i'm talking about trump got uh you know with what's going on in like colorado and what was that other state was it vermont or new hampshire somewhere not uh, new hampshire. minnesota i think was it, was minnesota? it minnesota no i, I think it was maine or maybe maybe maine. they are i i don't maine. know was it maine it was maine anyway yeah. you see that stuff that that is not, I, I'm sorry, if you're stupid enough to think, and, and this is coming from a guy who is not like some diehard Trump fan, but if you're dumb enough to think that January 6th was an insurrection, you have no business being in this conversation because that's not what an insurrection is, and you don't know what an insurrection is, and you don't have any business talking about it. Uh, See, and, normal, and I, sane people, normal sane people are just usually too busy uh, running their lives and yeah. being normal sane people, but they need to get involved. Yeah. Right at that point involved. now that they need to get involved. Uh, and again, I, I'm not like a diehard Trump supporter, but I'll tell you, man, I'd much rather have that guy than Biden. Uh, this has been a disastrous past few years. And, and I, I'm sorry, between the border and the price of oil and gas and, and uh, the hell, the price of my groceries and my interest rates on my mortgage and uh, and, and my, my opportunities with my company to grow the revenues and actually be profitable without spending a fortune insurance and, and material prices and everything else that's gone on over the last, uh, three, three and a half years or so. If you, if you think that Trump is that bad, like I'm, you're asleep at the wheel. And so I, again, not, not a diehard Trump supporter, but I do like him enough that he's got my vote. Uh, well, we have it a lot better. Between 20, 2016 and 2020. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I I mean, just the what I had to charge customers to be profitable back then is way different than what it is now, man. Like, is there's no comparison. And and so I I just I question like these these folks that are so hell bent against this guy getting the nomination. And there's other good. I I'd be happy with some of the other options out there on the on the Republican ticket or whatever. I'm more libertarian than I am anything, but, uh, the, the one thing's for sure. I want the government out of my shit. And, and that's, that's just how I am. And Trump is less in my shit than Biden or any other Democrat will ever be. So there you go. But you know, I mean, this whole thing with the, you know, Biden starting this project with NASA and USGS to put, you know, a value on all these of our natural resources. I think that's, yeah. that's a big thing. You know, and that's it's just the marriage of that and the natural asset company, a marriage between the, the government and and corporations is is not friendly for us as normal folk. And that's and that's what I was getting to. And bear, I shut the video off for just a minute, Gabe, to let my Internet catch up again. Um, 
we're kind of uh, bugging out there it is like are you worried for 2024 are you worried this year oh definitely i mean yeah i i, I don't even i don't even try to think you just gotta plan for the uh, prepare for the worst and plan for the best you know and did i did i, I kind of re- did i repeat that question because I got I got sidetracked with the cat unplugging the modem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I repeat my question. I repeat stuff every day. So that's well, just normal happens. life for me. I just I just man I just I'm I, I I'm kind of worried. And I I don't I'm not like uh, I'm not the kind of guy that gets super worried about you know the the political stability of our nation kind of thing. But I I do, man. I see all these like violent protesters defending Palestine, and and I see all these like the the insane amount of people we don't know coming across our border and and just you know being absorbed. I, I worry. In the I worry more. I worry more about good people doing nothing. That's what I worry about. I like that. That's that's a good point, man. I worry about that too. And I, you know, I, I see that. What it's is like, that? You know, the too? whole thing with election interference. There's so many people that would just want to take a time out or run back to their corner and not be involved and not go vote because there could be a potential of election interference or whatever. Yeah. No, you just need to get out there and do what we're supposed to do as citizens of the United States of America and make this a better country for ourselves. I mean, because just giving it to the government, you know, politicians and corporations isn't going to do it. We have to, we have to make it happen. Why? Why are people so complacent? Why why are people so afraid to speak out against things that they know are wrong, moral morally wrong, politically wrong, you know, wh- whatever? Uh, do, do you feel like we're back to the toxic apathy thing again? Because yeah, toxic, people are just so wrapped up in their own personal lives or what's going on with football season or whatever else, and they just a lot of people don't really care, and they got to start caring because. Whether you like it or not, you might not be involved in the government. The government's going to be involved with you. So, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> that's no joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. Well, I guess I guess all we could do um, is try to encourage people. You know, um, for for those of you listening, like you and I, we don't have to agree politically. Uh, we don't have to. We don't have to be like you know on the same page with every little thing there. I, I, I have a lot of uh, friends that uh, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of topics. We, but, but we're still friends and, and it, that's okay. Like I, I, I don't believe Gabe should be living in Western Washington anymore. I I think he should be living in Montana, but we're still friends. Right. And, and so we have this disagreement. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, hey, a couple, a couple of my best friends are hardcore liberals. I, I, you know, it's funny you say that I, I, one of my wife and I, we have, uh, our, our best friends, in fact, they just moved to Oregon recently. Uh, and I've been giving them a hard time ever since then, but they're they're I wouldn't say they're liberals, but they are Democrats. You know, they're like, you know, get the vaccine and Biden's great. And we love electric cars kind of thing. And, but yet when we get together around a campfire, man, we have a great time with them. And a shout out to Heather and Travis. I, I think I pissed them off enough that they don't listen to my podcast very much anymore, but, uh, 
they they really are they're they're, they're great folks and and uh, we love them and you know it's 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 not the the thing is is things have gotten so beyond what like you and i are about the same age gabe like remember back in the day when like you could just have a political debate and not come out of it hating each other the yep. the left has been hijacked by these nutballs that have taken the democrat party so far extreme to the left that there's like no real recognition of what the democratic party was in the, like the democratic the 80s party and 90s. used to be like the party of tolerance well the, they're the yeah. party of intolerance at this point oh man they're the most bigoted people i've ever met in my life like i'm sorry they are and not the normal average run of the mill democrat i'm talking about the people in the media the 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 hollywood leftists the, the you know these these folks that run around and act like they've got moral high ground um or, or some philosophical hierarchy of intelligence or or whatever you want to call it uh like like well, I won't get into that. That's a whole other podcast. But um, the the point is, is like, you know, if you if you look at like like Bill Clinton is not leftist enough to ever be nominated for the Democratic Party presidential ticket in 2024. And, and you compare that to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan would make a great conservative cam- candidate. And he was even before Clinton. So like who's changed? It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, man, I won't keep you anymore. I get, you know, I haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so it's good to uh, get on and, and gab. And I've been like cooped up in my, my house with this ailment and my internet keeps going down. What's that? I know we barely yeah. talked hunting, man. We're, we're going to have, I think we're going to have a lot of time to talk hunting in the future though. Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> so. We're, we're going to have to, we're going to, there's, there's a mountain. I'm going to have to go uh, show you a couple spots on, I think. Heck yeah, man. I'll, I'll take you up on that. You can go shoot a big white tail on it. Why go chase mules? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Or we can go vice versa. I get big mule deer right here on the, or not mule deer, uh, white tail right here on the property. But uh, I've I've got I've got a couple muley spots dialed in, man. Uh, but they're tougher for me. I have a harder time. The 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 mule deer I grew up hunting, a totally different because I grew up in Utah, totally different country, uh, totally oh, yeah. different. Uh, and and their behavior is is quite a bit different than it is here. Uh, plus, they don't have wolves chasing them around. So I know how to. I, I can always find a big mule deer buck in like Utah or Colorado, but I can't find them as as often as I can, uh, or you know, up here as I did there. And and I've been it's, here for twenty plus years. Yeah, that's all the mountains with all the trees on them in Western Montana, and how thick it is. It can be. Yeah. And especially with the numbers of critters anymore, it's a needle in the haystack. But spend yeah. enough time out there. That's what that's what uh, hunting is all about. That's what su- success is: is time and experience. You know, and the more oh, yeah. time you spend in the woods, the more experience you got. Time. So it's all about time. time spend time yep. out there. That's that's exactly it, man. That's that's my biggest advice to all hunters. I, I get hundreds of questions a week. What do I do to be a good hunter? You know, kind of thing. Or I'm just getting into it. Got to have time. If yep. you're going to commit one Saturday in September to chase elk, you're probably not going to notch a tag. And that's not being even me. Just, yeah. I mean, even just going out and going on an hour or two hour hike in the woods, you know, and just paying attention to what's out there and what's going on that you learn something every time you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Time and every once in a while you get that guy that just gets super lucky out of the blue. 
and that's okay too. I, I'll I'll take luck anytime I can get it. it but I, it, I just it doesn't happen to me near enough. No, nah, me neither. It never happens to me, man. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, uh, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, I'm going to put this episode out quick, and we're going to have like your Instagram in the show notes. I'll put those links so that people could comment on the natural asset companies, the NACs being voted on by the SEC. Uh, all, all that stuff will be in the show notes. So, folks, please take the 10 or 15 minutes to jump on there and write a quick comment. Uh, it didn't mean take that. This. Five minutes. Yeah, and five you can minutes. Do it. Yeah. And, and and really, folks, I mean, who who doesn't have five minutes? Just take five minutes, send a quick email, uh, be heard. Don't be complacent. Be heard. Get your, be involved. Get your Yeah, be involved. Do something. We we've all gotta we've all gotta start taking a part in this, or or this thing is gonna fall apart right in front of us. And this this NAC issue uh is a major problem uh going forward as if we value our public land and our hunting lifestyle and uh, just you know, overall freedom. Um, access to public lands is freedom. Uh, they don't have that in other countries. So, uh, but Gabe, any any closing thoughts, brother? Before I let you go, no, just encourage people this year to you know pay attention to what's going on around them and be involved in their different state and you know federal elections and issues, the hunting rights that come up. You know, the state of Washington. Um, there's a lot of guys that are getting involved. It's good, you know. It never used to happen, and I'm pretty happy to see it. But I, I think we're at the point now we got to start breaking open our pocketbooks, and you know I hope some uh, organizations start doing some fundraising and and yeah. getting a, a war chest build up of money to build uh, hire own attorneys and do whatever we got to do, you know. But yep, stay involved and yeah, the biggest yes. thing. Stay involved. No, I appreciate that. That's that's really good information. I think uh, I, I think you nailed it. Um, there is a lot we uh, it goes back to that 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 quote from that full metal jacket it, it's a big shit sandwich and we all have to take a bite and, and we really do yep. so um ladies and gentlemen uh i know that i am going to uh get some hate mail off of this episode and just a streamline or just to streamline that i'm sorry uh you can send that to jim at the western huntsman.com that is jim at the western huntsman.com and if you want to just let me know how mad you are, you could send me that email. Uh, also, if you if you liked it, uh, if you like this episode and you like some of the content we talked talked about, we we touched on some things that are not normally uh, touched on in this uh, in this show. Again, Jim at the WesternHusband.com. If you like the show, please write us a good review at Apple iTunes. Uh, it really helps us with the algorithms and everything else that. Uh, helps the show grow uh you guys have been doing a great job with that and i really appreciate it if you don't like the show shut up don't tell anybody we don't uh, nobody wants to hear your negative opinion we only want to hear your good shit right gabe yep thanks brother <laughs> i appreciate it no i appreciate it thanks for joining me man uh let's keep in touch and do this again for sure i appreciate it yes and i'll keep you uh, informed if i see anything else that pops up and if anybody has any questions they can get a hold of me too but either facebook or instagram Sounds great. All we'll right. talk soon, brother. Thanks. Take it easy. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.